then. Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. Um, I hope you all have been having a great New Year so far. And uh, as we talk about New Year, you know, a question came up to you this morning as I was prepping is, how long can we go into the New Year and still say Happy New Year where it doesn't start to become like awkward? You know, mid-February, Happy New Year. Is that, does that really work? Um, and, you know, part of the reason I ask is because this is actually sort of an exciting time of the year where because it's new, we get to start completely afresh. Like we get to do things completely differently than we did one week ago just because it's the new year. So it really is kind of a great time, um, great time to think about and just is really time in our culture where we actually begin to look at, you know, what do we want to do with our lives? You know, what do we want to accomplish in the year ahead? Um, and so it makes it really exciting. So I have, a, I have a question for you. Who in here is a New Year's resolution maker? You can be honest. You can be honest. All right. Now, so here, here's the big question. Is we're one weekend, 51 weeks to go. Who is still keeping up with their New Year's resolution? Anyone? Anyone? You know, oh, good. Some. Good, good. You know, I think we're early enough in this new year that you can make new New Year's resolutions. So one week down, it's still okay. We're not mid-February yet. Um, You know, sort of the fun thing about New Year's resolutions is getting to see what people are going to pursue, you know, what they're going after, what they're going to get into, how long they're going to make it. I work in downtown and downtown L.A., and our office is right next to a gym. And on January 2nd, as we were back at work, a bunch of my coworkers were like, I've never seen so many people at lunch dressed in their gym clothes going to the gym. And then as they came back from lunch, they're like, wow, the salad place was packed. And, you know, that's the reality is, you know, we hit this new time and, you know, we look at what do I want to pursue? What can I do to make my life better? You know, what can I pursue that's going to make me happy? It's going to give me purpose, meaning help me have a fulfilled life. Um, And, you know, whether that's eating salad, going to the gym or any number of things, really, that's that's what we spend a lot of our time in life doing is pursuing things that we think are going to give us a full life and give us a happy life. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning is how can we go about things in such a way that we really can have a happy and a full life? So it not just in terms of New Year's, but in in our lives in total, we pursue those things that we think are going to give us a good life. Um, there's many different avenues that we go down. Um, it may be having a relationship with God, which is a good avenue. And we go after things like wealth, possessions, experiences, um, maybe certain relationships, maybe just having an easy life that doesn't have too much hassle in it. Um, there's just so many things that we can seek um, to make our lives better. Now, If we look at the Bible, the challenge is with many of these things that we give a lot of our time to is that they actually ultimately don't pan out. They don't really give us what we want. They don't give us a full, a happy, a good life. Um, And, you know, they're good. They can be enjoyed. In fact, 1 Timothy 6 tells us that God gave us all things richly for our enjoyment. But we do have to be careful because if we take these things and we pursue them, as the goal of our life, ultimately what we're going to find is that they end up being hollow. You know, that they, they actually take us into problems, danger, and disappointment. So what, what should we pursue? If, if we want to have a good life, 
What is it that we should pursue? How should we go about that? And Psalm 142.5 gives us a good picture of how we can shape our lives in such a way that can become the best life possible. Now, before I read this verse, I want to give you a little backdrop of it. It was written by David. And who David was, was he was a man who was called to become the king of Israel. He, was, he grew up as a shepherd boy, and God called him to become the king of Israel. And then after that, he had this time of where he was doing really well in Israel. He became, had a lot of great renown as a warrior. You know, the people really loved him. But at the point in which he wrote this verse, he wasn't living high and the good life, quote unquote. He was actually in a cave hiding from the current king, Saul, who was seeking to take his life. So let's go ahead and look at this verse now. Psalm 142.5. It says, I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. So in this time of distress, David, you know, was able to see who God really should be for our lives um, and how, you know, we should shape our lives around that. He didn't look and say, you know, God, if I had just become king and got all those things that come with being a king, life would have been great. That, that would have made it. But instead, what he said is in this circumstance, I see that what my life needs to be about is that I need to make you God the portion of my life in this land of the living. Well, let's take a look quickly at what that means, because that's kind of an odd concept. I mean, how often do we think of something being the portion of our lives? Um, and this idea actually has a lot of historical meaning and importance. If we look about 400 years previous to David writing this verse, um, it was at the time when God was leading the people of Israel out of slavery, out of the land of Egypt, and was leading them to a land that was going to be their inheritance. It was a land that he had promised to their forefathers. Now, the people of Israel were broken up into these 11 tribes and then two half-tribes. And each of these tribes were to be given an inheritance, a portion of that promised land that they could grow in and prosper in. And this was true for every tribe except for one, and that was the tribe of Levi. The tribe of Levi was set apart by God um, to really be about overseeing the service of the temple and the sacrificial system. So while all the other tribes were given, going to be given this portion of land that they could prosper on, that they could grow in, that you know, their future was going to be built out of, that wasn't true for the Levites. Instead, God himself was their portion. He was going to be who provided for them, and their futures were going to grow out of him. If we look quickly at Deuteronomy 8 through 9, we can see this picture. It says, At the time the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister to him, and to bless his name to this day. Therefore, the Levi has no portion or inheritance with his brothers. The Lord is his inheritance. So, you know, that's, that's kind of a different thing. You know, you're one of these 12 tribes, and God says, By the way, you know, this promised land, you don't get a piece of it. You're going to be trusting in me. Well, David, similar to the Levites, was saying that he was going to build his life on God. And he wasn't going to be building it on any of these other things, which he ultimately may or may not have. And that would be coming his way. And since he ultimately became king, you know, he had the opportunity to build his life on quite a lot of riches. Um, since we've come out of the holiday season, I actually want to take a look at this idea of portion in terms of a pie, a Christmas pie. 
So imagine that life is a pie and you get to choose what piece you are going to take. You get to choose. We get to choose in life what our portion is be. So David said he chose God as his portion in life. Now, we only have one life, so we only get to pick one portion. And if we go ahead and pull up the picture here, you can see there's a lot of different, you know, pieces we can pick in life. There's a lot of different things we can have, um, you know, and ultimately, since we're trying to really have a good life, since every one of us really wants to be happy, what we tend to do is we tend to pick the pieces or, you know, slivers of the pieces that we think are going to bring us happiness, that are going to give us a good life. You know, there's things, there's money, fame, power, adventure, ease, um, maybe influence. There's any number of things that can be up here. I didn't want to slice that pie too thin that you can't see it. So, you know, there's so many things that we go after in life. Um, and since we all choose our own portion, you know, none of our pieces are going to look exactly the same. Now, all of you probably realize right now that you're in church. And that, therefore, God is the correct answer of what kind of a piece we want to pull from here. Um, But the reality is, in life, you know, since we know we can only have one piece, a way that we often try to attack this problem of what our piece is going to be is we say, well, I'm going to take God. But, you know, I'm also going to take some slivers of those other parts and just kind of put it together. You know, I can have a big piece. It's Christmas, right? It's New Year's. Or, you know, if we're thinking like a kid, we're like, well, that whole pie is mine. So that, that's the portion I choose. You know, our, our problem in life, though, is that this doesn't actually work. Life doesn't work this way. Um, if we want God to be our portion, kind of like what David was saying, it can only be him. And we can't tack on other things to that. If we look at Matthew 6.24, it says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And, I, you know, in reality, we can say you cannot serve God and fun. You cannot serve God and ease. Um, if we're trying to make our life about any other thing, even a small sliver of our life, then we're not really choosing to follow God in the right way. We're not really choosing for him to be our portion, because for God to be our portion, it can be only him. Um, otherwise, those other things ultimately become a master to us. So what for it? We can only choose one portion in life. What portion are we going to choose? You know, does it really make sense to choose God as the one portion in life that we can go after? Or does it make sense to go after money? Does it make sense to go after possessions? Well, if we look at the Bible, the Bible tells us that David was actually being really smart when he chose to make God his portion in life. And when we look at the Bible, what we see is that if God is my portion, my life will be pleasantly full. When we make God our portion, we can be satisfied with our life, have an actual good life. Let's look at John 10.10. John 10.10 tells us, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Again, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So in this verse, Jesus is telling us that he came that we could actually have a full life, an abundant life, a rich life. He came that this could be a possibility. And it's only a possibility because he came. Otherwise, all those other portions, all those other pieces of the pie that we could go after, that we could pursue with our lives, 
They can't give an abundant life. It only comes through Christ. They cannot satisfy us. Um, so, well, let's shift gears. Let's say, okay, we want to make God the portion of our lives. We want to be able to have that satisfying life. What does that really mean for God to be our portion? You know, if, if we want to do this, if we want to follow him, how do we obtain a good life with him? I, you know, I know for me, I can actually get really sort of easily confused about what it means to follow God first. Um, I tend to go to sort of weird pictures. Well, it must mean that I have to read my Bible all day long, every day. You know, I don't know how that's going to really work with work, but somehow I got to make it work. And I probably need to start kind of being kind of monkish. You know, I can't play cards because those are bad, right? Somehow I'm not quite sure. You know, you just get these weird pictures in our head about what it means to follow God first. Um, you know, we could think even, well, the Levites were in ministry, so I must have to go into ministry, too, if I want to make God first, right? Right? I don't know. Well, what does the Bible say? Um, we're going to look at four questions, not so much and just say, here's the four things you need to do to make God the portion of your life. But instead, we're going to look at four questions as sort of an assessment of our lives. And what these four questions can do is they can assess not only if God is the portion of our lives, but if we're making other things the portion of our lives as well. So let's go ahead and look at those. The first question is, what do I put my hope or trust in? When we think of our future, you know, of problems we see coming, um, when we think of how we want life to turn out and what we want to get out of it, do we look to God to answer these things? Or do we look to our own abilities? Do we look to our bank account? You know, do we look to the relationships we have? Maybe we know all the right people in the right places. Whoever we choose to be the champion that's going to solve our problems in life, that's going to make sure that we have a good future, that champion really tells us who we put our hope in. It tells us what we're looking to to make sure that we, you know, will ultimately have a life that satisfies us. If we look at Lamentations 3, 21 through 25, it actually gives us an idea of why we would want to put our hope in God. And it says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him to the soul who seeks him. It is worth making God the portion of our life. It's worth pursuing him as first and really putting our hope and our trust in him because he is a faithful God. What he says in his word that he is going to do, he will do. He's also a merciful God. So no matter how much we mess up, no matter how many times we go the wrong way, God is willing to forgive us. And he's also full of steadfast love. He actually wants to do and does what is best for us. The Lord is good to those who wait on him. He actually is the one who can give us a good life. Another question we can ask ourselves to assess where we're at is, where do I look for fulfillment in life? Or, you know, a better way of saying this might be, you know, where do I look? What do I look to to satisfy me in life? You know, there's many things we can look at. We can look at work. I know that personally is one I struggle with a lot, looking to work to satisfy me. We can look for, at relationships. 
Um, it may be the things we own, the experiences that we have, the fun things we get to do. We may look to vacations to satisfy us in life. There's so many different things. And Ecclesiastes is actually an interesting book that looks at satisfaction in life, and it looks at all these various um, avenues. It can actually be a little bit of a disappointing or depressing book to read if you've never read it, because it takes all these great and grand ideas we have, and it kind of just smashes them to bits. Um, And basically what the book of Ecclesiastes is, is it's this record of the king of Solomon experimenting with all of those different pieces of the pie and seeing, hey, if I pursue this, what kind of a life will I get in the end? Is it going to be a good life? Is it going to be a satisfying life? Um, now Solomon, again, he was king, and he actually had a ton of resources. He had a ton of money. He was really wise. So when he pursued these things, he was actually able to take a really good swing at it. You know, we tend to think if I just had a little bit more money, you know, life would be better. Well, Solomon had a lot more money, a lot more money than probably most of us will ever, 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 ever have. And so... He actually is a really good example because he was able to take sort of these things that we dream about and actually really experiment with them and see what the result would be. So he actually built a life on work and seeing, okay, if I build all these great projects, am I going to be satisfied in life? He built a, a life um, on wisdom. If I, if I know a lot and I'm just really wise, is that going to give me a good life? Life built on fun. He even built a life on folly built a life on possessions. And time and time again, when he tried these different pieces of that pie, these different portions in life to see, will this give me the life that I want? His ultimately conclusion was that these things are meaningless. They cannot satisfy us. They can't give us the type of life that we want. Um, Ecclesiastes 12, 13, which is at the end of this book, is Solomon's conclusion to this. You know, he's tried all these different things. He's tried all these different things for fulfillment to satisfy him. And his conclusion is this, Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. So the Hebrew word that we translate there is whole duty. It actually comes from a primitive root, kalal, if I'm saying that right, which I don't know. Anyone who speaks Hebrew can correct me. Um, and what that means, that primitive root, it actually means to be complete, to be perfect. Um, and so being completion in life, being truly satisfied with life comes out of fearing God and keeping his commandments. It doesn't come from all of these other things that we can go after in life. Now, we are sinful people and, you know, we will always have problems on earth. You know, we will never be truly complete this side of heaven because of our sin and the way that we've walked away from God. But really getting, really being, do, moving towards what we were made for and moving towards completeness with Christ only comes with God. He's the only avenue that we can have that satisfying life. All these other portions just do not pan out in the end. They are enjoyable. Um, Solomon actually makes the point in Ecclesiastes that these things are enjoyable, but they ultimately are meaningless. They cannot give us the things that we are looking for. The next question we can ask ourselves is, who do I choose to follow? You know, in Matthew 6 that we looked at earlier, we saw that God cannot really be our master if we're having other masters as well. God can only be our master if he is truly the only master. Let's also look at Luke 6, 46. It says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, And do not do what I tell you. 
Why do you say I'm in charge and then don't let me make the decisions? If we also look at John 14, 21, it says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. These verses tell us is that Jesus isn't interested in us just giving him lip service, that saying we're going to follow him with our lives and then going and following other things. He actually wants us to obey him, to make him the Lord of our lives. And as Lord, where he calls our shots, he directs us and we follow him where he's our master. And thankfully, he is a master who ultimately is working to give us the best life possible. As we saw in John 10.10, 10, he's the master that came so that we could have an abundant life. So in this life, we have to choose, are we going to follow God or are we going to follow God and? If we're following God and, we're not really following God. You know, we need to look at what, do, what determines what we do. Um, you know, does, does having enough money determine where we work and how we work? Does that determine how we tithe? Or is it God that determines how we tithe, determines how we go about our work? Is it having an easy life that determines, you know, how we serve and what we give our time to? Or is it God? As we answer these questions, it really can help clarify for us whether we're making God our portion or whether we're looking to other things. And then finally, a fourth question we can ask ourselves is, what do I invest my resources in? And here we can look at, you know, how we invest our time, our money, our energy, our talents. You know, are we investing them really for our own benefit so that we can get the things that we think are going to make us happy? Or are we investing them in the kingdom of God and in the things that he values? If we look at Matthew 6, 31 through 33, in these verses, Jesus is talking to a crowd and he's telling them that what they need to be concerned about in life um, and really just kind of questioning some of the things that he sees. Because whatever we invest our resources in, including our concern, our thoughts, those things that we invest in, that really shows what our hearts are wrapped around. Um, we, you know, we sang a song before that said, where my treasure is there, my heart is also. You know, those things that we were really concerned about, that we really treasure, that's where our heart is. Um, and there's an old adage that carries, you know, if you want to know what's important to someone, look at their bank account, what they spend their money on, and look at their calendar, what they spend their time on. Because those are the things that really matter to us. So if we look at Matthew 6, 31 through 33, it says, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. God knows what we need in life. And he not only knows the things that are necessary for the cessation, the continuation of our lives, he knows what's required to give us a truly good life, a life that's going to satisfy us and that we're going to be happy with. Um, And that comes as we know and follow God and invest in the right things. Now, one of the things we have to be careful about here, and this connects with that last question of whether we're following God, is it's not just about what we do, but it's about why we do it. You know, it's not just about how we spend our resources, but why we're spending our resources. We can do tons of Christian things and still actually be pursuing those other pieces of the pie. 
Because by doing those Christian things, we think we may twist God's arm into giving us a good life. So we have to think, put those, those two questions together is, who am I trying to follow? Am I following those things or am I following God? And then if I'm following God, am I really investing my resources in the things of his kingdom? Or am I investing them in things that I think are going to bring my own benefit? Now, looking at these four questions, you know, we're never going to be perfect in them. If you look at the life of David, who was working to make God his portion, you can see some serious slip ups in which he went after other things, you know, that he thought he was going to make him happy in that moment. And it caused all sorts of problems for his life. So what's important is not that we're perfect in these things, but instead that the general flow of our life is moving towards God in these areas. And that as God identifies things in which we're pulling on other pieces of that pie instead of himself, that we whack those down and replace him. You know, and as we do this, as we seek to follow God, we choose him as our portion in life. We're never going to be perfect, but we want to continually be making um, progress in that direction. So take heart. You know, we don't have to become weird to, you know, make God the portion of our lives. We don't have to live in a cave. You know, we don't have to become dull, dry people who have the personality of a rice cake. You know, we, we can have good lives. You know, we can make God our portion. Um, so why is it so hard to do? You know, why is eating a salad seven days a week for a New Year's resolution easier than making God the portion of our lives? Um, here's a few things that I think hold us back. First of all, it's easy to have a misunderstanding of what it means to pursue God first. And we've actually already touched on this. Um, but I, I know from my own life, it's just so easy to get mixed up about what makes God, what, what, how we pursue God first. Um, you know, it's really easy to get in this mindset that God only cares about spiritual things. And therefore, I need to spend all my time doing spiritual things. And I say spiritual things because in reality, there is no such thing as a spiritual thing. God created life. He created all of life and he cares about all of our lives. He doesn't care just about when we read the Bible. He cares about our commute to work. He cares about our flossing in the morning. He cares about, you know, our vacation. God cares about every part of our lives. Um, and he wants to be a part of every part of our lives. So, again, I think part of our holdup is sometimes we get a wrong picture of what it means to make God first, and therefore we don't. Another part of that is sometimes we even think, you know, well, obviously I just need to be like Jesus or maybe one of the apostles and do the things that they did, and then I'll know that, you know, I'm really putting God first in my life. The reality is, is that none of us in this room live in Roman-ruled Israel in 30 A.D. as fishermen. You know, we all live here today, and so we actually have to follow God in the lives that he has given us, and he wants us to live in the totality of that life following him. So I think that's, that's one of the first reasons that it can be easy to uh, not make God first. Another reason is that culture and the world around us is constantly telling us a different story from what we hear here in the Bible. There's so many messages in our culture that basically tell us that we can have a happy life, a really full, meaningful, purposeful life without any sort of relationship or recognition of God. You know, all we got to do is watch some TV 
And, you know, we're going to see countless examples of people who are pursuing all sorts of things and they have these great lives. And you know what? They don't have any consequences in life either. And everything works out after 30 minutes. It's great. And, you know, we all know that these are pretend, that these are fake. But at the same time, you know, when we hear these messages again and again and again, they can actually really begin to influence. I was actually once talking with a guy um, and he was having a lot of trouble with direction in his life. Because what he really wanted was to have a life of adventure. This was an older guy, really wanted to have this life of adventure. And, you know, he was a guy who he read a lot of science fiction and fantasy novels. He played a lot of video games, watched watched a lot of movies. And so he was really absorbed into this life of adventure and fantasy. And none of these things are bad. You know, none of games movies, books, none of these are bad, but we have to be careful because they can really influence us. And for him, you know, he had seen all these lives in which these people are having great lives and it was in the midst of, and because of the adventures that they were living. And so in his life, he was trying to figure out how do I have adventure so I can have a good life? If, you know, culture is just telling us story after story about how we can have a good life apart from God. Now, the difficulty here is not even just that we hear those stories so much, but they actually have a grain of truth to them. And what that grain of truth is, is that those other pieces of the pie are good things. They are things that we can enjoy. You know, they were created for our good. And so as we experience them and as we experience the enjoyment that comes from them, it gives some some power to these other stories we're hearing that if we follow those to the nth degree, that we're going to have a good life. And so we actually have to be careful and realize that while God made these things for our good, like Solomon, when we, if we pursue these to the end, what we're going to find is that they're meaningless, that they cannot satisfy us and they can't give us the type of life that we really want to have. At best, they're a shadow a glimpse of how good life really could be. So we may enjoy them and, you know, I think we should enjoy them, but we we got to be careful because we run into problems and we actually run the opposite direction that we want to go when we pursue them as the, our ultimate goal in life, when we choose them as our portion in life. And the final reason I think it can be so hard to pursue God as that portion is deep down, in a place that we may not know about, we may not even be willing to admit, I think often we're not completely sure we can trust God. You know, if we look at the choices we make in life and why we do the things we do, and we're to kind of boil that down to the question below the question, below the question, below the question, I think what in many ways we're often asking is, if I follow God, will it really be worth it in the end? Or is God going to rip me off? Am I going to get to the end of my life and really going to wish I'd given it to other things? You know, am I, am I going to feel my life was a waste and not be satisfied? I know that this is a question I've asked myself as I'm making big decisions about directions I want to go in my life. You know, I, I begin to question is, is this really real? And so when we're not sure that God's not going to rip us off, that he truly is faithful, You know, often we can want to back our lives up with some of those other pieces of the pie. We want to make sure that we get a little something else so that we can have some fun. And so what happens 
is that, you know, we don't tend to ask ourselves that question blatantly, but we go through situations like, you know, such as, you know, this person really needs some help. I can really have an opportunity to serve them. But, you know, I'm really kind of tired and, you know, I'd really rather just watch a movie. And, I, you know, I know God says that he who refreshes others will be refreshed. I know serving is important. I know I'm supposed to love people like him. But I really just need rest right now, so I'm not going to do that. And really in those moments, what we're doing is we're saying, do I believe the Bible is really real? Do I believe that if I follow it and live it out, that it's going to end in the things that God says it will? And that, that's an important question to wrestle through. And an important one to actually, if you have that question, is to do some study of the Word of God and see what it says about it. And to get with older men and women who have lived their lives following God and see, has it worked out the way that God says it will? And if we can begin to ask God in the situations that we face, you know, what do you want me to do in this situation, God? And then to really answer, do I believe the Bible is true? And answer that yes and therefore follow him. You know, we can really begin to make God the portion of our lives. Really begin to to have the abundant and satisfying life that God wants us to have. Well, you know, these are some real challenges that we have to battle through um, to make God that portion of our lives. But again, if we do it, we can have a truly good life that we're seeking with all we do. Well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up the message this morning. And as I do that, I'm going to go ahead and invite the band to come back up. Um, We have some next steps. If you look on the back of your connection card, we have some next steps. And and these are really just an opportunity, um, suggestions of mine, of different ways that you can apply um, some things you heard this morning if you're interested in doing that. Um, The first one is to commit to reading the Bible four times a year, uh, four times a year. Maybe a little bit more than that. Four times a week for the rest of January. Now, four was sort of an arbitrary time. I was thinking, you know, what's a good challenge if I'm not reading the Bible? You know, what's a good length of period to really get this into my life? Because really what the goal there is, is how can I really begin to pursue God, to pursue knowing him? You know, to really begin to make him the portion of our our life. So change that as it makes sense for you. If you've never done a quiet time and you know you're never going to be able to do four times a week for the rest of the month, choose something that makes sense. The next thing is wrestle to answer this question for yourself. If I follow God, will it be worth it in the end or is God going to rip me off? Again, if we don't have that question answered, if we don't really think that God is going to be faithful, we're going to spend our entire life trying to tack on those other pieces of the pie so that we can make sure and have some happiness. If we're not sure that God's going to give us that life we want, that satisfaction, that's going to happen. So I really encourage you to wrestle through that. Spend some time reading the Word of God and speak with older men and women who've followed God with their lives and find out how has it resulted. And then finally, ask God to reveal to you what portions in life, what other pieces of that pie that you might be uh, currently pursuing other than himself. Sometimes we can be blind to what that is. So I just encourage you, if you're not sure, ask God to reveal any of that are there, and he will do that. I'm going to go ahead and pray as we uh, move on to continue worshiping. God, we just thank you that you can give us a satisfying life. 
that we don't have to pursue things in this world that we have no control over, but instead that there's a God who wants to know us and wants us to know him. I pray that we would just really take hold of that opportunity of knowing and following you and that you would really use us for your glory and may we find satisfaction in you. Pray this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.